You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It's Tuesday, December 19th. We're talking Blue Jays baseball. We bring in Jays reporter for MLB.com, Gregor Chisholm. Gregor, thanks very much, much as always, for taking the time. And I've been kind of asking everyone, uh, sounding like a broken record here, is it's been a quiet offseason. That seems to be the mantra going around right now. Not a lot of movement at the winter meetings. Um, a lot of college students right now taking finals, and it's midterm time, if you will, for baseball in terms of the offseason so if you're giving the Jays an offseason midterm grade what would it be right now I think it would have to be incomplete I think you'd have to send that back uh to, to have to be redone and I'm sure you could say a lot uh, of the same things for other teams out there because it has been a slow moving offseason but uh, really a lot of the work that the Blue Jays had to get done at the end of the year is the work that they still have to get done now you know Aledmus uh, Diaz uh, was a nice pickup uh, from the Cardinals, uh, there's a lot of upside there, and the fact that he's under team control for the next four years is, is, is really beneficial to this organization and really does go a long way in helping to protect against some injuries to guys like Troy Tulowitzki and Devin Travis, which has been a major problem in years past. Um, you know, Diaz's presence will help that and, and was a much-needed addition. Uh, but when you look at the rest of this team, uh, there are still un- undeniably some holes to fill. I mean, this team needs a fifth starter. Uh, it really could use another corner outfielder. Atkins has talked about a willingness to bring in yet another backup infielder. And, and then you look at the, the bullpen is, is a team that, that needs a, a, at least a, a second lefty out of the bullpen. And uh, it's always an area where you can continue to add. So, uh, you know, I think we've seen this trend a little bit in baseball over the last few years where more and more work is getting done in January. Uh, this season, I think, seems to be going to be extreme, but that does seem to be where the Blue Jays are going to have to do a lot of their work. Yeah, and you said, obviously, they, they have a lot of needs. And so I guess you can help me out with this one because I'm not understanding why Josh Donaldson would ever be on the market. He's such a tremendous player, all-star, MVP candidate, it seems like year in, year out for much of his career. Uh, it, Toronto has said they, they don't want to trade him. There's no signs or indications of that. But you do hear rumors still, and the Cardinals are supposedly in hot pursuit of Donaldson. Uh, what's your take? Where does that stand right now? Well, my take is this is the new Blue Jays reality. I mean, this is the situation the Jays are facing right now, and it's going to continue. Uh, you know, Donaldson's name is going to be continue to be mentioned in the trade rumors uh, right up until the time where his situation is resolved one way or the other. And, you know, I don't think much has changed since the end of the year. The Blue Jays don't seem inclined to deal him at the moment. I don't expect that to change. However, it could change in a hurry once the season actually gets underway. And if this Blue Jays team gets off to a slow start, then the team's going to have no chance uh, no choice really, but to have to deal him and, and, and move on and, and, and pick up some key prospects along the way. The difficult thing the Jays have right now is that, you know, they're, they're dealing with a very competitive American League East. The only reason you should be hanging on to Donaldson is if he real, realistically thinks that you can, can compete with him going into his final year of control. Uh, but the danger is you don't want to lose him for nothing at the end of the year. And so the Jays are kind of playing this dangerous game right now. They're, they're trying to stay in the middle. They're trying to have it both ways. And, uh, you know, if, if the Jays get off to a hot start in 2018 and uh, end up contending, that will obviously uh, prove to be a, a beneficial move. But, uh, you know, if, if they get off to a slow start, then, then the trade rumors are going to pick up even more. 
Uh, and then, then the question will have to be asked whether or not the Jays left something on the table this offseason and have to accept the diminished return next summer because of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough when teams are on that threshold, that, that, that liminal point there of deciding, do you, do you go for it and do you add more with a guy like Donaldson going into last year and you surround him with even more or do you give up and sort of start that rebuild? And, and just uh, – just to follow up with what you said about the division as well, is that daunting and intimidating to see the Yankees going out and getting Stanton, the Red Sox, even though they haven't done anything right now, the, the former Cy Young candidates, uh, Cy Young winners all over their pitching staff, they're right there with the Yankees in a lot of ways, won the division last year. Does that sort of make them double clutch and say, well, yeah, maybe we should be more sellers than buyers uh, at this point? You know, I, I think deep down it really does have to cause the organization to think twice about its strategy. I mean, just the fact that New York's been able to load up the way they have. Uh, you know, Boston, I think everyone's expecting uh, at least a couple of big moves before the start of the season. I mean, this really is reminiscent uh, of, the, you know, the American League powerhouse that we were used to seeing in, in the late 90s and throughout the early 2000s. And that's a reality that Blue Jays fans, unfortunately, are, are all too familiar with. So, uh, you know, I think it has to impact the Jays in some way, but at least publicly and, and, and to start the season, uh, they're maintaining that it's going to be status quo. I mean, this is a team that uh, believes it can contend. It still thinks it's in the mix uh, for the wild card spot if some things go their way. The problem is that the margin for error has gotten a lot smaller, uh, and, and the Jays simply can't afford to get off to one of the slow starts uh, that they're notorious for. I mean, they haven't had a winning April since uh, 2012. Uh, despite a couple appearances in the postseason, and, and they they buried themselves early in the past, that can't happen again. Um, otherwise, you're gonna you will see that complete rebuild. But you know, I think on uh, from a from a perspective of just based on the team itself, it would make sense to sell. But there's the business side of this as well. I mean, the Jays have have been at the at the top or near the top of the attendance over the last two years. Uh, they've they've really done a great job uh, because of that success growing the fan base. Uh, and they don't want to kind of alienate some of those new customers as well. So they're they're really walking, uh, you know, a fine a fine line right now. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the months ahead. Yeah, let, let's talk about those fans for a minute. It's it's holiday season and, and gift giving time. So if we kind of just put on our, our our gift thinking outfits for a second here, and we look at the Blue Jays and what they could do to give their fans a nice gift this time of year and. You know, I'm not talking like uh, undershirts or, or tube socks. A real nice <laughs> gift that this team could say, okay, wow, we, this is a guy that can contribute right away. He goes right into the middle of the lineup. What's out there that maybe we haven't heard or could be flying under the radar where the Jays could still make some big move in the coming couple months? Well, one that the Jays haven't been tied to too closely yet, uh, but one that the fan base uh, seems to, to be mentioning on a daily basis and wants to have happen is, is some sort of deal with the Marlins. I mean, it's no secret that the Marlins are looking to sell off uh, some of their younger assets. There's been a couple of guys in that organization who have expressed a, a willingness uh, or, or a desire to be dealt, and, and there, there happen to be young players with years of control, and that fits in with what the Blue Jays are looking to do. So whether it's a guy like Christian Yelich, uh, or someone like that who would be kind of a perfect gift for Blue Jays fans. Now, the problem is is that you know almost every other team in the major leagues can say the exact same thing, and they're looking at that situation, uh, looking to get one of those controllable players as well. So the, the cost likely will be a little bit too prohibitive, and I don't expect the Blue Jays to go on that massive of a, of a holiday shopping spree, but that, that certainly would be one that the Blue Jays would like. And, and, and outside of that, the ones that are really realistic, I mean, I, I really don't think that the Jays are going to do anything that big this off 
offseason. I think uh, what they are focused on is, is the type of deals that we've already seen. Uh, you know, another one like the El- Elmedes Diaz deal, uh, where you're, you're acquiring uh, depth pieces to, to round out this roster as opposed to a big core piece. Uh, you know, saying that, it really does indicate that the Blue Jays, more than anything else, are banking on a return to health in 2018 in order to get back to being competitive, as opposed to that big name free agent or that big acquisition through a trade uh, that would help get the job done. And certainly the development of younger players, I'd add to that as well. And, and you wrote an interesting piece about uh, someone named, by the name of Russ Bove. People may not know who that is. There would be no reason to necessarily, but he was named the East Coast Scout of the Year at the winter meetings. Uh, he's not, what I found interesting, he's not much involved as much with the sabermetric side of evaluating players, which can some kind, sometimes become very cumbersome uh, when you when you look at baseball in that way. He kind of looks more of an old-school method. I found that kind of refreshing, wondering if you could just talk a little bit more about him. Yeah, East Coast Scout of the Year, which is obviously a, a tremendous honor, and, and he's had a, a role in, in really almost every big name that, that is – contained within that Blue Jays minor league system. He's he's at least had a small part in each one of those guys, whether it's you know someone like Anthony Alford or even someone like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and, and, and dating back to, to Marcus Stroman and, and guys who came before him. But uh, you're right, he, he certainly is uh, more of your traditional uh, old-school type scout. And, and, you know, I think when a lot of people think about front offices these, these days, a lot of the attention does go to the, the saver metrics and, and the new way of looking at players. Uh, but, you know, I, what I think the smart organizations do is, is find, a, a, you know, a blend that works where you combine both of those things. And, you know, one thing that he pointed out when he spoke at the, at the winter meetings was, uh, you know, he, he's, he's been a slow adapter to saver metrics, but he certainly understands their importance. However, uh, he thinks there's a discrepancy with, with the way that we look at, at high school players and, you know, the information and data that's available on college players makes the sabermetric numbers a little bit more reliable. Uh, you know exactly what you're dealing with. High school players can be an entirely different beast and, and the, the numbers and the data just aren't there to back it up because the competition is so different from, you know, from town to town and from state to state. Um, and so you rely a little bit more on those old school methods where, where it's based more on the eye test. And, and you know, both was, was, was a guy who uh, really had to champion the Blue Jays uh, drafting Bo Bichette. Uh, he was pushing uh, the sabermetric side of the Blue Jays organization, uh, saying that, that that this was a, a perfect fit for the team and that they saw something in there. And, uh, you know, it was through that collaborative approach that, you know, both departments kind of came on board and, and started moving Bichette up the draft board. And the end result was, you know, a, a second-round pick from a couple years ago. And, and now he's he's known as one of the top prospects in all of baseball right now and, and second in the system behind Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So it just shows that there's no one approach overall in baseball ball that works uh, you take a little bit of the old school you take a little bit of the new school uh, and a lot of times there are benefits for both and when you can blend those two together kind of makes it for the perfect mix yeah no question about it and uh, yeah sometimes fans want those big free agent moves but it's the below the surface kind of moves done by scouts or whatever and signing young players that really in the long run benefits the organization and gets them gets them back on top as well Gregor thanks so much for taking the time um, and happy holiday season to you and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon Thank you. Gregor Chisholm joining us here. Thanks for tuning in on MLB.com Extras.